Well, good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing all right? Pompano Beach is good to be back in the house today. I'm, I'm excited to be speaking again. Hasn't Shayla been great the last couple of weeks? Let's give it up for Shayla. I get, I get like more stuff about, we want to hear Shayla more than anything else. Like apparently nobody likes me, but that's all right. I, I'm back and I'm happy to be here. I'm excited about this series called The Habits of Happiness. And uh, what I know is that there is a lot of bad news out there today. Anybody, anybody heard any bad news lately? Anybody heard of some things? Maybe if you turn on CNN, it's really easy to find some bad news really quick. I mean, we got wars going on. The political realm right now is chaos. Anybody knows the political realm is chaos? We got craziness happening in the world. It doesn't take much to realize that there are some bad things going on out there in the world. It doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot of insight to discover that. Anybody out there ever had a bad day? Anybody had a bad day? The majority of us, those of you who haven't raised your hands, it's okay, you're a liar, and we, we understand that. And so, like, God won't strike you dead. We'll just hope to get you honest here throughout the process. But all of us have had some bad days, and bad days can steal some happiness, can't they? Man, like your happiness, you can have it one moment and boom, it's gone. In fact, this week I found some people that were having some bad days. And uh, bad days can make you do some crazy things. Check out the screen for some things that bad days will make you do. I, I just want you to know those, those are all straight up real things. Like we didn't, we didn't plan any of those. But the last one, that last one is my favorite because if, if you actually go on YouTube, you can watch videos of people's bad days, and, um, which is kind of hilarious if you want to feel better about your life. And, and so uh, when you're having a bad day, go watch somebody else's. It'll make you feel better. But that lady was getting, she was getting written up for not performing at her job. And somebody came into the boss's office and was like, hey, um, like there's an emergency. And he's like, is it really an emergency? And they're like, yeah. So he's like, I'll be right back. And when he left, that she did like a lot more damage than that because we had to cut that down. But at the end, when he walks in and she's sitting there and his, his office and computer is destroyed, he goes, what the heck happened? And she goes, it was a computer virus. Like, I understand she needed to be fired, but that was a great response right there. I mean, like somebody that can come up with that, they're in the wrong department. But all of us, we, we experience that bad days. And, and the question is, is, is how do we not be happy in bad days, but how do we have continual joy in the midst of bad days? And this is kind of a bait and switch series here. We call this habits of happiness. But the reality is, is that happiness is something that's kind of fleeting in life, but there is something that lasts and it's called joy uh, that can be with us in the midst of the bad days and Today, we're going to be studying a guy named Paul, and no matter Paul's situation, he still found how to have joy no matter what his circumstances. And so we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians chapter 1. If you want to turn there today, that's where we'll be hanging out. And uh, let me kind of give you some backstory of what's going on. The book of Philippians is written by Paul to the church in Philippi, which is a church that he started. And this is a church that he absolutely loved. He had a great relationship with them. In fact, it was one of his most favorite, famous favorite churches out there. And so he's writing this book to them, um, and his circumstances aren't real great. See, Paul's dream in life was to go to Rome as a missionary and win Caesar and win uh, the Romans over for Jesus Christ. And Paul, instead of going to Rome as a missionary, is actually imprisoned in Rome. And while he's imprisoned in Rome, 
he's writing this book to the, to the Philippians. And you would think to yourself, you'd go, man, Paul has got a lot of problems if he is in prison. How many of you know, if you're in prison, you got some problems. you got some issues going on in your life. And, and in spite of all of those things, in spite of those difficult circumstances, that bad day, Paul is able to focus on others. And how does he do that? Let's look at Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says this. I thank my God every time I remember you. In my prayers for all of you, I'm always pray with joy. He's like, man, I pray with joy. Man, I got joy even in the midst of my circumstances. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so you look at that and you go, man, Paul's sitting there in prison in Rome. His dreams are dashed. His hopes are gone. And yet he's still able to focus on other people. How was he able to do that? And the way he was able to do that is because he realized that his problems didn't rule his life. Where a lot of us, our problems rule our, when a problem rolls up, it's in charge. Come on now. We know it happens to us. He realized that there was something more powerful in life than happiness. There was this joy that superseded happiness in life. And happiness for a lot of us is something that we're pursuing. If we're honest, we're like, man, I want to be happy in life. And so it is our pursuit. We're constantly looking for it. We're constantly longing for it. But how many of y'all know that happiness is kind of like the wind? It's changing all the time. And one moment you think you got it, it's going in a different direction. As soon as you think you grab hold of it, you look in your hand and it's gone. Because happiness seems to come and go based on the circumstances that are around it. In fact, this past week, you know, we just finished up a relationship series here a couple weeks ago. Somebody asked me, they go, Pastor TJ, Shayla said last week that you guys have been married for 16 years. I'm like, no, actually, next Friday, the 20th, is our 16-year anniversary, which I'm so jacked up that she stuck with me for 16 years. That's a win on my part. Uh, Probably a loss on hers, but uh, you know, what? But they're like, man, you must be so happily married. And I went, nope. We're not happily married. Listen, uh, our marriage has not always been happy. There's been a lot of seasons where Shayla has wanted me to go take a long walk off of, off of a short pier. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just, there's just those times, like, it's not happiness. Like, we don't have this happily ever after marriage because happily ever after is just based on what's happening in our life. And so, therefore, like, we realize that that isn't the thing that we have to pursue. And a lot of us, we pursue happiness when Paul is trying to teach us something that is greater than happiness. He says, instead of pursuing happiness, you need to start pursuing joy. And here's why. Because you need to realize that happiness is an external thing. Happiness is something that's happening on the outside. Everything outside has to be perfect for you to be happy. Man, the kids got to be playing well together. There's going to be no fighting at home. All the TPS reports have to be perfect, and you have to know where your stapler is. You know, there's got to be nobody honking at you in traffic on your way to work. That right there just eliminated joy or happiness, right? There's no, that's not even possible in South Florida. And so happiness is based on all these external things where joy on the flip side is based on an internal thing. It's an inside job. 
Because if you were to look at the external of what was happening to Paul, you would realize, man, that he had been shipwrecked. He had been snake bitten. He had been beaten. He had been chained. He had been stoned. And I'm not talking recreationally. And so you look at all the external, you go, man, like he should be jacked up. Like there's, there should be nothing good in his life. But yet, this is what he says in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, don't lose heart. And listen, it's easy if we're basing everything on our heart to lose our heart when we're chained and we're beaten and we're stoned and snake bitten and all those things. He says, though outwardly, the external, we're wasting away. Some of us feel that way right now. He says, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For a light and momentary troubles, that's a key element for some of us out there. Whatever you're going through right now is light and it's momentary. Like it will pass. Some of y'all need to hear that because you're going through some junk. And you need to know that this is just a season. That season will end. He says those light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And what he's saying to us, he's saying for a lot of us, happiness is based on our circumstances. It's based on what's seen. It's, it's the circumstances that are around us. And if you were to go and look up the word uh, happiness, it comes from the Latin word hap, which means circumstances or luck. And it basically is saying if everything works out, then I'm happy. Like if, every, if all the dominoes fall in place, then I'm happy. And the word circumstances, if you were to look that up, you would realize that circumstance is actually the circle of your stance. It's the place where you decide to dwell in life. And he says, happiness is based off your circumstances. And so what happens is, is you'll be in a conversation with somebody and you'll go like, hey, bro, how are you doing? And they'll say, well, under the circumstances, I'm this. And I'll be like, well, what the heck are you doing underneath your circumstances? <laughs> like, why are you dwelling underneath there? See, on the flip side, joy isn't based on a thing, circumstances. Joy is based on a person, Christ. And for some of us, we need to get that. Like, joy is based on Christ. In fact, uh, quite a few years ago, I was sitting with this couple, and we were doing some counseling, and uh, the guy, the guy looked at me, he, he says, man, I want to get a divorce. And I was like, well, why, why do you want to get a divorce? And this were his exact words to me. God wants me happy. Some, some of you are like, yeah, God wants me happy. Like, what was wrong with that answer? Well, here's the problem with that. Nowhere in this book does God ever say he wants you happy. Like, there is not a single passage, like, Jesus wants you happy. Nowhere, God never says he wants you happy. You know what God says he wants you? He wants you obedient. See, he isn't concerned about your happiness. He's concerned about your obedience because when you become obedient, you'll realize there's something better and bigger than happiness that comes through a relationship with Jesus that is so much greater, that's so much more lasting than the happiness you can ever experience, and that's the joy of knowing Christ. Woo, man, I'm preaching right now. This is good. <laughs> then Paul says it later in Philippians, he says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. See, what Paul realizes is that obedience leads to contentment, which leads to joy in your life. Because your life isn't based on circumstances, it's based on Christ. 
And for a lot of us, happiness is based on chance. We're hoping that, that everything goes well. And a lot of us, we're leaving our life to chance. In fact, a lot of people, they're, they're banking their entire life off the lottery. A couple months ago when the lottery was a billion dollars, you don't know how many people were walking into church and going, man, Pastor TJ, I'm telling you what, when I win the lottery this week, I'm going to buy the church a building. I'm like, what else are you going to do? And they like started listing stuff. Like They were basing their entire life on a chance, a one in like 64 million chance. And you can leave your life to chance, or you can decide to choose joy, which is based on a choice. Because it doesn't matter what is happening in life, because you have a choice. All of us have a choice in life. See, joyful people aren't lucky. Joyful people uh, are not more fortunate than other people, because everyone's got problems. Every single person's got problems. Everybody that follows Christ and loves God has got problems. If they don't, they're dead. And that's their problem, okay? But all of us have got problems. In fact, Deuteronomy says this, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. See, God is telling us that, like, man, we have options out there. We can choose life or we can choose death. We can choose blessing or we can choose curses. We can choose joy or we can try to run after happiness. It's our choice. And see, joy isn't a season of life that comes and goes. It's a way of life that comes from knowing someone. And I believe that as we study uh, Philippians here, we'll discover the secret to joy in our life. And we'll come to this place that where we have this mentality of no matter what's happening to us or in us, it doesn't matter because we got something that's greater than that and we are going to be okay. We're going to have something that's of substance in our life. And so Paul continues in Philippians and he prays this prayer for the Philippian church. And I believe it's a prayer for us as well. And I want to read it to you out of verse 9 through 11. And it says, and this is my prayer, in case you didn't know what his prayer was, um, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. What is that fruit? It's joy, peace, love, patience. It's all the things that we all want in our life. He says, you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So like, how does that work? How, like, how are we able to discern? How are we able to love? How are we able to comprehend when bad things are happening to us in life? Like, how are we able to take all that in and have this joy in the midst of the difficult situations? And practically, how we do that, number one, if you're taking notes, you got to get over the distraction of what happened. You've got to get over the distraction of the problem that you're facing. And, and here's the deal. Some people never get past the disappointments of life. They just don't. They just keep rehashing that thing, living it over and over and over again, analyzing it, analyzing it, analyzing it. And what happens is they end up ruining a good day, reminiscing on bad days because they've never gotten past their problem. 
They've never been able to move beyond that. And Paul, this is what he says in verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me? Listen, some things have happened to him just like they've happened to you. But what Paul has is some different perspective. He says, to me, that has served to advance the gospel. He goes, listen, I know that there's some things that have happened to me, but I see something in those things. And I realized that the plan that I had, I planned to go as a missionary to Rome, and I'm here as a prisoner. That was not my plan. Anybody ever had some plans that didn't go their way? Oh, yeah. All of us have had plans that didn't go our way. He says, but man, God is doing something. In spite of my plan not working out, God is up to something. And I understand about having plans. I've, I've had a lot of plans for my life. In fact, Shayla shared a little bit about one of our plans. Uh, we, we planned on having kids. In fact, we had built this brand new home uh, back in 2005, 2006. It's this incredible home. We had planned for the future. We planned on having two kids. We we're going to be the average American family. We we're going to have one boy, one girl. Timothy James McCormick III, we we're going to call that joker Trip. Like, we already, we already figured out his name. We hadn't figured out her name. So, like, we, that was still up in the air. But, like, we started playing. We, we decorated a boy's room. We decorated a girl's room. We are practicing for kids. And praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Practice supposedly makes permanent, but not in our case. So, um, and, and so we're practicing. We're practicing. We're practicing. And no kids. No kids. Finally, we start going to doctors trying to figure out what's going on. And. Our plans come crashing down because we hear in November of 2007, we're never having kids. Terrible thing. Troubling thing. It's the kind of thing that makes you go, why? God, why is this happening? Why are you doing this for somebody else? And why are you not doing that for me? Anybody ever ask the why question in their circumstance? Yeah. Like, why? It can be so frustrating, and you just want to, like, in those moments, you just get down, and you can just go on this endless cycle of whys. And those whys end up becoming this major distraction in your life. But instead of asking, why is this happening, you might want to start asking, God, what are you doing? Some of y'all need to hear that today because you're asking why, and God's trying to shift your focus a little bit and, and get you to start asking what. God, what are you doing? God, what is your purpose? God, what do you want to show me? God, what do you want to do through me? And as we start to ask the what question, we'll start to figure out what God is doing, and that will lead us to discover new opportunities, to discovering some new opportunities in your life, because what God will do is he's so, he'll start to change your obstacles into opportunities. He'll start to take your setbacks and turn them into setups, because God is in the process of not changing our circumstances, but changing us. And see, in that process, while we weren't going to birth a child, and we were going, God, why aren't you letting us birth a child? What God was doing is that he's saying, man, I got something else for you to do. And what I want you to do is I want you to birth a church. Because the next month, God started speaking about birthing something different. And let me tell you something, ladies. Birthing a church is harder than birthing a kid. We can argue about that all day long. It hurts. It's painful. You think, you think kids are expensive. Try a couple hundred grand for a church. 
But God was up to something. We started to ask him what, man, it changed everything. God has to see some new opportunities. Paul continues on in verse 13. He says, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard. All of a sudden, he's realizing, man, I got an audience here. To, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. See, he realized that, man, his new opportunity was a more powerful entity than the, the people he would have reached anyways, because he, he would have reached the common people, but all of a sudden, he's sitting with the most powerful people, chained to him. They didn't have anywhere to go. They had to listen to his message. And because he's preaching the gospel, man, it's inspiring other people to start preaching the gospel with courage and fearlessly. And see, what that got Paul to do and what that will get you to do when you start to focus on new opportunities is it'll get you to change your perspective to focus on what really matters. You start to realize what really matters in life because we allow so many things to steal our joy. So many common things that aren't that big of a deal. So many things that, that if we were to look at it in a different perspective, if we were to say, a week from now, would this situation even matter? Most of us, and most of the things that steal our joy in those moments, the guy honking behind us at a light, the person cutting us off in traffic, the kid throwing his toy at a friend's head, like those things aren't going to matter a week from now. Like kid at the head, might, it might matter for two weeks, okay? Uh, but most of the things that steal our joy, they're not going to matter a month from now. A year from now, you need to ask yourself, is this really going to matter? Or you ask the big question, in light of eternity, does this really matter? Then why am I letting it steal my joy? See, Paul was dealing with those problems, and this is what he says in verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Rivalry, I can't say that word. But others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. He says, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. And here's the, here's the key thing. He goes, but what does it matter? See, when we're dealing with some difficulty, sometimes we just need to step back and go, but what does it matter? We need to be like the lady and go, I ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Like the problem, ain't nobody got time for that. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, ain't nobody got time for that. I got junk to do. He says, in spite of that, he goes, the important thing is that every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. And when you start thinking from that perspective, there's very, very few things that are going to steal your joy. That argument you're having with your spouse right now, is that going to matter in light of eternity? Heck no. Is that going to matter in light of a week? No. Is that going to matter in light of an hour? Most of us will have forgotten about it. Then why are we letting it steal our joy? Why aren't we focusing on what really matters? And then Paul hooks us up. He goes, man, I'm going to give you the key to ultimate joy. Anybody want the key to ultimate joy? Like this is the thing that will unlock everything for you. He says in verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And basically what he's saying is he is saying that there is not a single thing that can steal my joy. You want to know why? Because when you know Christ, 
you are in a win-win situation. When you know Christ, you're in a win-win situation. You can have joy every single day, not because uh, life is really, really good, but you can have joy every single day because God is always good. And when you know him and you understand him and you're going after him, it doesn't matter what's happening in this life. To live for Christ is gain. To die is even better. And listen, some of y'all, you're going through it today, man. Life is beating you up. You got top, bottom, left, right. Enemies coming at you in every way trying to hit you. Trying to bring you down by your circumstances. Trying to overwhelm your life. trying to defeat you. He's on the attack. You feel like life is caving in all around you and the Bible gives us some some ammunition to defeating the enemy. In fact, in Revelation, it says this, they overcame him, meaning the enemy, by the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus. They overcame by Jesus and the word of their testimony, the things that they were speaking out in life. It says they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They said they didn't love their lives. What they were basically saying is they were saying, hey, listen, this life doesn't control us. And the reason they could say that is because they didn't have their entire life. All of their stock of life was not here on earth. They didn't put their hope here on earth. They understood that this was the start of life, but this was not the end of life. That this was just the beginning. And the reality was, is while they were dwelling here on earth, heaven was their home. And when you get the perspective that heaven is your home, you realize that you are just passing through earth. That's why the Bible calls heaven this blessed hope. And some of you here today, you're allowing earth to take its toll on you. And maybe that's because all of your stock is right here. And you don't have joy because all you have is what's right here in front of you. And you need earth to work because that's what you've invested your life in. But let me tell you something. There is a greater investment that you can make. And it's not in a thing. It's in the personhood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to have earth as your only home. You can make heaven your home. And you can realize that you're just passing through. When you start to realize that happiness is based on the things that are happening in life. But joy is based on something that is internal. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe today you need to begin that relationship. Maybe you need to grab hold of joy in your life. And the way you do that is through knowing Jesus.